morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to this. This is Molecules and Shit, and this is a science podcast. I'm your co-host, P-Funk, at P-Funk and Around on Twitter. And I'm joined by your host, Koki Negra. Doctor. Sir. Uh, this is us reporting to you from the tundra. Um, <laughs> I'm now on my fourth layer uh, when I go outside now. And uh, I'm running out of coats. Uh, how, is, how is it where you are? Um, it's really been awful. And <laughs> the, the reason why it's so bad, and you know me, I am not a weather wimp. But you dress in the morning when it's 40 degrees, mm-hmm. and by the time you get home, it's 17. There's mm-hmm. no way to dress for that. That is the biggest annoyance. I wish it would just kind of stay cold. Even if it stayed like this for like a good three weeks, I just hate that. For me, it's, it's usually the opposite. Like I get dressed in the morning like I am going into fucking Antarctica. And then when I come back home, it's like 45 degrees and I'm holding sweaters in my hand. I'm like, ugh, this is stupid. It's very annoying. Yeah, I'm getting tired of it. Mm. I'm I'm willing to sleep with Quasimodo right now if he keeps me warm because this is ridiculous. Yeah, and that makes us extra jealous of our guest. Um, you want to <laughs> you want to introduce our guest, Koki? Um, actually, this is a first mm-hmm. on on our show. Uh-oh. We have a guest today who is an engineer, mm. and I'm a little afraid of him right now. <laughs> um, I don't but, be afraid. Our, our guest is Marvin Williams, who, as I said, is an engineer, and he's going to tell us a little bit about his background, and he has a really interesting job, so I'm happy he's here. Thank you for coming, and uh, thank don't you. scare me. Well, thank you for having me, and I will try not to scare you. There's nothing scary about engineers. We're just regular people, hmm. just regular people with a, with, a, with a really cool set of tools and some ideas. Oh, okay. And maybe, maybe some things come out of those ideas and those tools and uh-huh. materials. Yeah. So I went to a college that has a rather large engineering school. Uh-huh. You're not fooling me. <laughs> Basically, we knew if you wake up in the morning and your roommate has your clock radio cooking eggs, he's an engineer. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. That's a, that's, yeah. That, uh, yeah. You're correct. Uh-huh. Uh, Mm-hmm. There's uh, we we just like to do things. You know, people have fun different ways, and uh, we work really hard trying to learn how to create uh, uh, Infinity Gauntlets, Iron Man suits, mm-hmm. uh, Cerebro, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of those things. I mean, actual discussions on uh, how we can actually create a lightsaber, stuff like that. It's it's all important things, you know. All right, so two follow-up questions. Um, first of all, is it bad that I'm really interested in how you cook eggs with a clock? <laughs> I would. I that sounds like survival, you know, tools at, right there. Oh my god! That, okay, cooking in the apocalypse is important. It is. You know, you want to make sure that uh, when you when you're putting together your uh, uh, your Zpoc team. That uh, you know, yes, you do want uh, to make sure that you've got your um, uh, your molecular biologist there, but an engineer would be really handy too. Hmm. I'm just saying because weapons, armor, transportation, uh, delivery systems for said uh, 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 things created by molecular biologists, yeah, we're handy. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So maybe you can be on my team, but. You have to be at the far end of the group. You can't wow. be next to me. Well, I'm typically, scared. Typically, I have to be because that's what a workshop is, mm-hmm. and a lot of people aren't allowed into the workshop. You know. Yeah, explosions and such. 
now, exactly. now follow second follow up uh, about that lightsaber. Um, so what are the schematics on that and when can I expect one? You know, <clears throat> the toughest thing is getting the right crystal uh, and refraction uh, mirrors set. Uh, and it, it's, it's something I remember being in a class and Professor actually was talking about that and said that um, containing the blade would be an issue because mm -hmm. you'd want to turn it on. It's a laser, so you turn on a laser and it's just going to kind of keep going. Exactly. So there's a whole curving that thing back, which is a uh, which is an issue. And I've actually seen some designs that folks have put together where uh, they have uh, you know the cool the handle is the coolest part, but then they have like little leads going out, and then a mirror all the way at the end to where I'm thinking, okay, so mm. you destroy the saber by just making sure you take care of that mirror on the end. Yeah, and, exactly. You know. Yeah. And okay, then, I'm well, already sorry. Wait, what? <laughs> no, this sounds like useful information because I thought the biggest problem was going to be the heat generated by it. I mean, if it's going to be cutting through metal, it's got to be really hot and your hand's oh right there. Oh, my God. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah, well, ceramic, uh, uh, you got to make sure you have a good ceramic uh, hilt when you're putting uh, the whole thing together. Oh, very. Okay. But, I didn't even think about that. But then the problem is, see, is uh, you're not Ewok proof now because Ewoks being there throwing rocks. First oh, Ewok, that, they, that's right. They could break the hilt. Yeah, easily. That's right. Huh. Oh, my God. Okay, okay. Can we talk about what engineering really is right now? <laughs> I, I feel like this is what engineering is, isn't it? This, this is. This is absolutely, it's, this is the it's crust just, of it. Yeah, it's just MacGyver on steroids, right? That's what I thought. Yeah. It is. Well, it's it's actually, and, and uh, funny that you should ask, Um I look at engineering as, and I actually had a professor that, uh, uh, several professors that would define it as engineering is uh, the application of science to create technology. Hmm. Um, so people say, well, engineering science, well, it, it involves it, but uh, it's about being able to look at what science tells us we can and cannot do. And then we have ideas about things that we want to be able to accomplish. So then it's, well, what can we build in order to accomplish those things? And how do we have to, how does science constrain us in what we're building in order to accomplish that? Mm. That's beautiful. So it's not, yeah, it just sounds like it's a, it's a, uh, a relationship that just kind of reflects off of each other. It's yes, a symbiotic absolutely. relationship. Okay. It's witchcraft, but no, okay. Wow, it's, slander it's, from the well, Okay, well, that's it. <laughs> you know, I, I'm just saying that uh, you, you, you don't have any three-eyed three -eyed babies or, uh, uh, or uh, you know, a, a person with a foot coming out of their head because of it. Well, I guess maybe sometimes because of an engineer, but that's usually what happens when we, when we uh, team up with those uh, um, molecular biologist folks because, you know, now they're crazy. And, and technically, technically, wouldn't science be the witchcraft and the engineers would be building the cauldrons and, and, and wands? Isn't that kind of how it works? That's exactly it. That's perfect. No, it's no. Yeah, you no, go to the cauldron and the, and the wand shop, and that's where the engineer lives, and then the witchcraft yes. is done by the scientists. Yes, I agree. Mm -hmm. 100%. That is you it. would. Yes. That's perfect. I'm just saying. If, if, if... I'm just saying that all these movies where you complain that the scientists do stuff, it's never the scientists. It's always the engineers. Oh. I think what it is is a scientist trying to be an engineer by trying to make these things wow. without consulting an engineer. Wow. No. I don't think so. <laughs> do, I need to, uh, do I need to get you all some boxing gloves and a ring? Just let you all go at it? 
Oh no, no, I I, I defer. I'll win, really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. But anyway, you know, I I'm trying for the sake of our audience to present both sides, which is why we have an engineer here. But you know how I feel about engineers. <laughs> Well, you know, I appreciate your fair and balanced approach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fox News approach. Got it. Actually, I, I have an engineering story, which um, I was never really going to be an engineer, but there was a, a summer program for minorities in engineering at the mm-hmm. local college. So I went to it mm-hmm. and we were there for two weeks. I'm still friends with some of the people that I met up there. And I was, you know, 16 years old at the time. Wow. And, um, you know, we knew we weren't going to be engineers, but we got we got a, a computer class, and you know, it was so long ago. I think we were using Fortran. Oh yeah, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> so, um, yeah, and yeah, I thought about it. You know, the first couple of years you're in college, you sort of have some wiggle room, mm-hmm. and then differential equations came along. Yes, and I said. Microbiology looks good. So wait, you can do microbiology without any differential equations, without any math beyond Calc 1? Uh, calc 2, but no, I didn't need diff, I didn't need diff EQs for that, no. Oh, maybe, maybe Calc was different for me. Calc was mostly differential equations, and then uh, Calc 2 was... In, uh... No, 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 no. Calculus <laughs> and diff EQs are two completely yeah. different courses Oh. In- yeah. I got through Calc 1 and 2, no problem. Diffy Q's kicked my ass, kicked my roommate's ass, (laughs) kicked all her friends' ass. So she was supposed to be a chemical engineering student. She has a degree in chemistry right now. Wow. I wanted to do biomedical engineering for about a hot minute. No. So perhaps uh, our engineer can explain why Diffy Q's ruins so many careers well i wouldn't say that it ruins but it's definitely a proving ground um you uh and and what it is is it's kind of getting you into that higher order math and being able to before you get into the lab um really make sure that you can prove out what it is that you want to make uh the Qs is actually kind of i thought it was kind of easy um oh my par- God. partial differentials all that stuff beautiful that's that's lovely but where it got interesting was uh a course that we had um called numerical methods now in numerical methods you learn how to do calculus on data sets so you don't have a formula you don't have an equation that you're working with mm. you're working with just like a data set so I can go through a data set and I can take derivatives of that. I can integrate it. I can do all the stuff that I need to uh, without having a predefined function. Oh, so it's kind of like you're conceptualizing actual behavior in the real world into numbers. Yes. Okay. I could see. Okay, I could see why that would be really difficult. You basically have yeah. to you have to think in math. So it's like lift, yeah. so it's like lifting the the arm of whatever machine that you're doing. You have to do that mathematically in your head. Yes, um, that's exactly it. And that's why so many people can't get through it. Well, you know, some people can. They just call us engineers. Oh, look at that! Wow, oh more slander. Okay, so before you go off and speak in another language that nobody understands, can you tell us what kind of engineer you are? I am a uh, biomedical engineer with my emphasis in rehabilitation. 
So <clears throat> what that means is I am an engineer who, um, like my uh, thesis project was a comparative analysis of uh, mass moments of inertia of uh, a natural uh, lower part of a leg, so like a calf, ankle, all of that stuff, and that for a prosthesis. So mm -hmm. I look at things like prosthetics, uh, wheelchair design, walker design, uh, orthotics, a lot of that type of stuff. So um, building your cyborg, that is me. Building your mm -hmm. Iron Man suit, that is me. And so what would you say is the, the most difficult part of replacing, you know, like an intricate joint, like a, an ankle? Well, uh, now the thing is, is that we've, we kind of have that down. Hmm. Um, the toughest thing about it is, uh, so the systems can move in so many different ways. And so each way is considered a degree. It's called a degree of freedom. The more degrees of freedom that you have in a system, the more opportunities you have for it to break, the oh. more opportunities you have for fragility, for uh, for any problems with the system. So what we try to do is constrain those. So for a lot of uh, like prosthetic ankles that you'll see, prosthetic feet, um, you'll have effectively uh, – um, that transverse uh, forward backward motion that's it so I can walk I can run but being able to kind of go side to side now you're kind of rocking on the edge of the foot mm. because the ankle itself isn't going to want to go because if it does uh, you have a weak point so that way as I'm going forward I can actually go a little bit to the side yeah and I have an option I have the opportunity to be able to break now why does it that happen in regular well in uh, um, in the uh, uh, the natural ankle because we've got those muscles that are working. Mm, that's right. Cause you have to make it without muscle. Well, you, you do have muscles in a sense. You do have something with some tensile strength in that device, right? Right. But you're, it's only, uh, uh, one direction. Mm. So you can walk and you can run, but you can't dance. Is that what you're well, saying? Yeah. No, you can dance. It's just how you dance is a little bit different. You can only do the running man. Right. Yeah, that's you can only do the running man, uh -huh. uh, and anything that doesn't require advanced movement of the feet. Uh, no, it, it it's really just a matter of making sure that you have uh, that your prosthesis has to be able to handle the motion that you're going to be making. And the thing is, is we we don't have a whole lot of gimbling joints that we make with that. Uh, when you even take a look at, uh, so if I have an artificial arm. Um, and I've got a uh, elbow disarticulation, so I basically got my arm removed up to the shoulder, mm -hmm. uh, or I've, I've got upper arm and my shoulder is still intact. I still have a lot of motion that I can do with the shoulder because the shoulder still has that musculature, right. which constrains it. However, if I don't have that elbow there, then uh, you know I've got uh, either a wire base where, uh, which is like your your uh, the old school hook that you see, which is still very. Right. Uh, still very practical uh that i can kind of move um uh in just a couple of directions but i can't move it the same as if i have a natural elbow mm -hmm. again it's all that musculature and one of the how do you guys get around or how do you compensate for the fact that you don't have um feedback well you know pain for instance pain kind of lets you know when you're bending your ankle you know too far in one direction or bending it in a way it's not supposed to bend that's kind of the feedback how do you compensate for that where a person it can move like an ankle but it doesn't have you don't have any feedback to know you know if you're doing it right so what 
typically we'll do is uh, uh, when you get a artificial limb, you have uh, training that you go through, mm. and you work with a uh, certi- hopefully a certified uh, prosthetist, uh, which is one of my favorite word because favorite favorite words because it doesn't sound uh, it sounds like it shouldn't be right. Um, mm. But uh, a certified prosthetist uh, will work with the individual and uh, kind of teach them how to be able to walk, move, use the prosthesis and kind of get to learn where the limits are. So you have to learn where your limits of motion are. Mm. You learn, uh, you know, if you're if you're walking, um, if you're moving your uh, – if I've got, say, an artificial knee, what my limits of motion are with that so that – I don't. I know when to stop based on other things that I can feel within my body. Mm. Um, there are some units now which are becoming smart, which have small computers in it, to where they will limit themselves, so they'll kind of lock out motion. Oh, and that's um, a point of failure, though, right? You can have something go wrong with the software, or oh yeah, fizz out. <laughs> yeah, wow. you, yeah, you can, and you have to go in and get tune-ups with that, and uh, uh, everything is is definitely it's it's possible to get updates. Manufacturers send out updates. You got to go in do your updates, um, but it's just you you get into that feedback, and there's a lot of appointments at the beginning, and then less, uh, and then just kind of a checkup thing where we'll just you know make sure that everything is going the way that it's supposed to go. Um, there are some feedback systems now. They show it's funny because my dad will call me whenever there's a 60 minutes piece, um, and they have. Uh, uh, myoelectric arm, so they'll have mm-hmm. somebody with an arm, and uh, you know they're picking up an egg, but they're not crushing it because they've got feedback sensors that tell them exactly how hard they're right. uh, squeezing the egg. Uh, that type of stuff is great. Um, a lot of it, though, is extremely expensive. Mm. So for your functional uh, prosthesis that you have out there, you're still looking at training folks being trained on how to know when uh, uh, to pick up some when you're squeezing something too too hard so so to actually get uh, a device that could fully replace a fully functioning hand or 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 ankle um what what could possibly bring down the costs on that what could what kind of things could need to be done or what developments need to be made we need a lot of leaps in technology um, a whole lot of leaps in technology, um, bring down R&D costs for companies, mm. have more and bigger companies actually doing the R&D. Because, you know, you get a huge company that's doing R&D on this stuff, and uh, that actually, their R&D arm doesn't take as much money as a smaller uh, company, maybe with like 100 or 200 uh, employees. You get, you know... Uh, one of these super big, if you were to have big pharma in the prosthetics industry, well, the price would probably still be the same. Right. <laughs> That's my commentary. But yeah. uh, their R&D costs would be so much lower. Mm. Because the facility would be in use for multiple products across multiple product lines and all the right. profits well, they- would be compensating them for Exactly. So uh, all the money that they make from something else kind of helps to pay for the uh, would pay for the prosthetics, would pay for the folks that are doing all of that research Mm -hmm. instead of them having to necessarily uh, uh, turn that profit off of uh, previous prosthetics and things, which, again, have such a small market, Mm -hmm. uh, relatively speaking, uh, that it it can make it difficult for those companies to be able to have that cash. So, uh, you know. R&D costs coming down definitely help. Uh, we need um, 
a lot of uh, actually human trials help being able to work with people, not not experimentation. Koki, stop it! Hmm. I don't want to ex- stop it, Koki. Um, <laughs> I know you. Uh, so uh, it's not really experimentation in that sense, though, right? Because it, right, you're not really introducing something into their biological system you're, you're attaching something to them and they you can actually test them in a safe facility and correct get data right. and then you can send them back you know no harm no foul correct and but for a lot of folks they, they you know they see it as well you're experimenting on and you know that's the that's the hard part so you understand it uh and uh you know your listeners now understand it mm-hmm. um but it's it's really getting a lot of folks to be able to get it, and um, also opening up trials for people, so that way they can be you can get more uh, amputees involved in such things, um, mm. so that you can have these breakthroughs made. We also need to make sure that we've got a good uh, good communication, good culture sharing with. Um, uh, the people doing the work, so that way, when folks make their findings, they can go ahead and uh, definitely be able to share that with other folks in the field. Uh, and you know, it's it's a collaborative thing. Um, I imagine a, access is a, a big problem because a lot of people who may need the prosthesis or who could make use of it aren't all located in big major cities. You know, they're spread out all over the place. Oh, absolutely. That's that's definitely a big thing. Um, and then you do have a large population of users uh, who are getting, um, through like relief organizations and stuff like that, getting some uh, prosthesis who actually could help out with this. But, uh, you know, a lot of them are not in a position geographically or uh, uh, economically or uh, even, I would say, politically to be part of those types of trials. Mm-hmm. Mm, wow. So, Koki, you feel better about engineers now? Yeah, I feel better about this one. <laughs> <sighs> we are people too, ma'am. One Come at on. a time, I guess. One teach Each one teach one. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I feel better about this one. So uh, why don't you tell us more about uh, about you yourself? So where do you live now? Uh, so I live in Central California. And this is why uh, we hate you. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, which is a um, uh, it's it's an interesting place. It's different. A lot of people when they think California, they think oh Los Angeles, which is you know two hours from San Francisco, and they don't think about how large of a state. Uh, California is. Mm. Um, so I live in, uh, for where I'm in Central California, um, I am about three hours from San Francisco and uh, on a good day with good weather, about uh, four to five hours from Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah, California needs to be two different states. It's just no, no it does not. not. No, no, we, no, no, we no, need all not. those electoral votes. You hush your mouth. You stop that. Yes. Yes, we, we, we need to keep us exactly the same way that we are, this exact same size. Yeah, but yeah. California is like the entire East Coast, and we have yes. like 12 states. Yeah, but no, we need all 54 of those. Yes. We need all 54 electoral votes to counterbalance Texas. You break Texas up, fine. We can do that. Yeah. I'd be happy to do that, too. Texas is also too big. Break Texas up, but, you know, my thing is give us, give us Washington and Oregon. So you just want to have the whole just get give them the whole just make it one coast. <laughs> yes, the Pacific Coast, just yeah, the Pacific states of, of of America. Think how much money the Democrats would save if they didn't have to campaign in three states. They only had to campaign in one. 
Yeah. I'm just saying. Uh-huh. Hey. I'm all for it. We consolidate, consolidate that. Mm-hmm. Help fix some of the foolishness other places. That's all I'm saying. And we have our own foolishness too. Yeah. Uh, but uh, which we definitely have our own foolishness. Um, but you know, we we try to hold together. Actually, I just realized it's a bad idea to split up either of those states because we don't need all those extra senators. That just it's just too yes. much chaos. <laughs> I, yeah. That's a good point. And actually, let, we point. we do need the senators from Oregon and and Washington. So we'll leave them alone for now. Okay, for now they yeah. get that. For now, until the rest of the country catches up and you know stop losing their mind. Yes. But yeah, all right. So uh, so right now as an engineer, so what do you do on a day-to-day basis? What do you what do you what is your so, actual profession? <laughs> on a on a day-to-day basis, it's funny. I don't do a lot of engineering per se. So I am um uh I work with uh college students who have disabilities and I work with them being able to get the accommodations that they need uh, to be able to attend class. So oh, okay. that is uh, actually very interesting. There is a lot of, um, uh, I guess where my engineering does come into play is a lot of the problem solving that's, a, that's involved with that, but also a little field called assistive technology, uh, which is uh, very important. Uh, for helping students, well, also just anybody who has a uh, disability and needs uh, a little bit of technological assistance to perform tasks. Um, There is this stuff called assistive technology. So I'll work with students with that um, and help them find that that will work for them and do a little bit of training with them, uh, make sure that we indeed have the right fit between the device and or software uh, and or uh, device system Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, the student to make sure that everything's working, they're happy with it, and they're able to go out there and show what they know. Okay. So you don't have to overlap too much with like uh, issues about compliance and and things like that. (laughs) You're more just with the students, right? Well, all of my stuff is uh, compliance um, because we've got uh, uh, Title II of the Americans with Disabilities Act and Section 504 of the of the uh, Rehabilitation Act, which are kind of huge uh, deals, uh, because both of those say that a entity uh, needs to have its programs and services and operations available to uh, available and accessible to individuals with disabilities. So my job, you know, hits right with that. So it's you know working a lot with uh, faculty members and getting them to um, you know see what their students need and sometimes they have questions and uh, so working with them to help them understand uh, just how it all works and you know that I am not trying to encroach on their academic freedom mm-hmm. uh, I you know I'm not trying to tell them how to teach but I'm just trying to make sure that the student who has every right to be in the class can actually be in the class mm. So what's the most common um, accommodation that needs to be accounted for? Is it, I would imagine it'd probably be deaf students or, or blind students. But you'd be surprised. It, well, it varies from campus to campus because, you know, various populations. Um, but not, you, the, it used to be learning disabilities. And ah, okay. um, 
now it's we've got a bit of a shift to where mental health is becoming uh, quite huge. So we have a lot of students with, um, uh, or uh, you know, around the nation, you're seeing a lot of students with mental health issues, um, and so trying to make sure that they're able to stay in class, stay on campus, uh, you know. There's, of course, the uh, we don't take care of like the therapy component. We're not part of their uh, clinical therapy team. But um, say if they uh, have panic attacks quite often, then making sure that the instructor knows, hey, if this student, the student's probably going to sit close to the door, they might get up uh, a few times during your class, mm-hmm. and you know they might go out into the hallway. You might see them out in the hallway. This has nothing to do with you. This is part of their disability management. It's what they have to do in order to make sure that they're able to come back in and continue taking their class. And I, I, I kind of wonder, like, um, and when I was in college, it was not. It was the teachers, I guess, were or the professors were much more uh, laid back. Isn't the right word? I guess. Um, liberal in the in the you know the definition sense of it they were if you wanted to leave the classroom at any time they weren't like hey you have to sit in your seat all 60 minutes and i need you to be facing forward and i need your pencils on you know out on the desk Mm -hmm. i don't i don't know why that would be an issue if there was someone who wanted to sit by the door and leaves the 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 lecture hall you know two three times and i don't see why that would be a big deal but it 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 depends on the individual um you know some faculty don't care Mm-hmm. Uh, some do, you know, for some of them, uh, uh, it's, it's there to, it's, it's, it reminds me of, Miss, you know, I don't want to show my age. It reminds me of Mr. Hand from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. It's mm-hmm. his time. It's their time. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. As opposed to it being our time. Mm-hmm. Um, so for some of them, yeah, there is that. And, uh, if they have someone who, you know, maybe gets up and leaves like once or twice, they might not think anything, but if it's like five, six times mm-hmm. in an hour. You know, then it becomes, well, why do you keep doing this? Can't you just stay? Can't you just sit still? This is too distracting. This is, you know, where uh, they might not understand. And, you know, a lot of people don't get that there is a huge uh, power differential between faculty and students. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so my office is there to kind of uh, help with that, uh, to make sure that um, uh, students feel like, they can actually uh, talk and they can actually express themselves uh, because the other part of what we do is trying to get them ready to go out there into quote unquote the real world because mm-hmm. you know when you're in a job situation I tell them you have two conversations that you're going to have if you want any kind of accommodation one with your boss and then another one with your boss and somebody from human resources so mm-hmm. you have to be able to do that because uh, you know there's, there typically isn't going to be somebody there with you. And what's your uh, your stance on informing the other students or fellow students? Do you feel like it's important, or is it not really their business, or how do you how do you it's approach that? Their, it's none of their business. If the individual wants to do it, they can. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand, uh, and a uh, question that's often asked is, well, you know, what if what am I going to tell the other students about this? Say you don't tell them anything. If someone comes up and says, why does this person get this? You know hey that's none of your business mm. and go on about your day um 
if they insist on, uh, uh, I, I tell students, they don't have to tell anyone what they don't want to tell them because that is private information. Mm. Um, you don't have to tell uh, your faculty member what your disability is. You don't have to tell them the specifics of it. Uh, there is no educational need to know with that. Sometimes, you know, it. sometimes it's automatic where, you know, if, if I have a blind student, okay, well, you know, that's mm -hmm. a... There's that, that that's going to be a little bit obvious. A deaf student having interpreters uh, in the classroom that's going to be a little bit obvious. Um, I had but, a student uh, uh, in my class. He uh, he clearly had Tourette's. Okay. But they yeah they there was no like informing of the students. We just kind of like gathered that that's what it was. Right. And so sometimes there's that. Sometimes you'll have individuals who are you know all up on self advocacy and they have no problem. The, the, I, I tell students all the time, go talk to your instructors during office hours mm -hmm. uh, and make sure that you all understand what's going to happen, what they might, ex especially for that situation, what they might expect. Um, so that way you know what's going on and you, you know, you're not surprised. Um, but then also if, uh, uh, depending on what's, what's happening, if, you know, if this, this I've had students ask instructors if they could maybe have a few minutes to talk with the class about it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, just you know, depending it, on it their comfort level. Okay. Exactly. That's it. You, you have to have somebody who, uh, uh, it, it really comes down to what the student wants. Cause it's, it's in that case, it is indeed all about them. It's what they want, what they want to share. And, you know, we just go from that. Wow. That is all, that's really interesting. And, for people listening, if they want to learn more about this, or uh, what are some good resources that they can consult or they can read up on, if it's a concern at their place of work, or if they just you know want to read up on the topic. So, uh, if it's a matter of uh, workplace accommodations, really, um, uh, wow, that is a good one because. Typically, these are state-run stuff. It, a lot of this is uh, stuff within a state. So if you have a disability, oh, okay. one resource that you can use is uh, each state will have an office uh, associated with the Department of Labor called uh, the Department of Rehabilitation or the Department of Vocational Rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're a good resource for information. Um, also, they can help with services. So if you do have a disability, you can register with them and you can have these conversations. You know, what do I say uh, at the office? What do I say about at the workplace? Uh, should I disclose or should I not disclose? Um, uh, uh, there's also typically local support groups uh, that you can go to um, for folks in uh, in education, folks in like higher education. Um, there are I know uh, one of the groups. Well, it uh, works with K, uh, with uh, folks in the K twelve, but they also do some with higher education. Understood.org mm. for individuals with uh, learning disabilities. Um, it really is just a matter of uh, uh, you know because the resources vary. That there are some federal. Uh, uh, Groups, but a lot of them. Well, not, they're not federal per se, but they're national. Um, uh, national Council on Learning Disability is mm -hmm. one, um, but everything is just kind of so scattered. And now is now is really a strange time for folks because uh, the funding landscape has changed to where you have some groups that are going away. You have some groups that are. Um, 
uh, trying to partner with others, and everybody's just kind of trying to find their way uh, in the Trump and DeVos era. Yeah. So are there any uh, large national groups that are trying to kind of uh, bring everyone under 110 or just kind of fancy themselves as the, the, the main resource or central resource, or is it all just kind of scattered depending on what kind of disability or in what field you, the disability's in? You do have uh, a lot of, uh, you do have scattered uh, based on um, all of those things. So if you're blind, uh, National Federation for the Blind is a uh, right. big one. Uh, American, um, uh, and it just escapes me, there it is, uh, American Council for the Blind uh, is another. Uh, for individuals who are deaf, it's uh, it's a little bit different uh, because the deaf community, and I'm talking the big D deaf community, mm -hmm. uh, uh, is a whole that is that is huge, and that I, I've got serious respect for the big D deaf community because um, you know they're fierce, mm -hmm. and they are all about their rights, they're all about their recognition, and they're all about people uh, not seeing them as having a disability, but understanding that. Uh, the rest of us need to uh, provide uh, resources like interpreters, things like that, so mm -hmm. that way uh, uh, we can make sure that we do include. Um, again, for folks with learning disabilities, um, National Council on Learning Disability is big, uh, but really um, just kind of the catch-all, uh, you'll have your uh, Centers for Independent Living which every state and a lot of large cities and even smaller cities will have a center for independent living. So there's a national um, uh, national group for centers for independent living. Hmm. Uh, and then again, the Department of Rehabilitation uh, is big. Uh, and that again, Division of uh, uh, Department of Labor. Okay. So is the Department of Labor the main um, federal resource that you, you yes. would interact with? Okay. All right. Awesome. All right. So that, I think that's a good overview of uh, assistive technology, at least for newcomers. You got some uh, some reading materials, things that people can look up. Uh, oh, yeah. But we have... If, uh, folks, to if to folks do want more information on assistive technology, they can check out uh, RESNA, which is the Rehabilitation Engineering and Assistive Technology. They forgot to change the acronym, but they just kept the same RESNA. Uh, the Rehabilitation and Engineering, uh, Rehabilitation Engineering and uh, Assistive Technology Society of North America. They can be found at resna.org. Uh, ATIA, who I think they're still in the middle of their big uh, annual conference, so shout out to the ATIA uh, 19 folks, and they're at atia.org. Um, Let's see. Uh, those are kind of the, the, the two big powerhouses when it comes to uh, assistive technology that folks can kind of go and look and get um, information from. Awesome. Koki, you still there? Yes, of course I'm still here. Okay. You just sounded like you were, you were sulking in the corner because it was all engineering talk. <laughs> I was not sulking in the corner. I'm just listening to okay. our guest okay all right well mm -hmm. you should be happy now we're going to uh also move on to science more broadly so that everyone can participate yes she went away again <laughs> no, I'm, here. She's like, I'm running away 
She is making something to kill me. Watch. There's oh, be... yeah. Okay. That I'm makes gonna sense. get. A, I'm gonna get a thank you card in the mail, and I have to remember not to like cut the cut open the side and then blow into it because I will. And they'll be like, she'll make it a pink powder. Yep. That just flies into my face, and then next thing <laughs> you know, you know, I'm a tragic story on the news. I, I see you, Koki. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, you figured me out. That's mm-hmm. it. <laughs> I can already hear you mixing something now. Mm-hmm. You guys have a really good imagination. I do, yeah. Keeps me alive. Keeps me alive. We gotta have something to laugh at because these news stories that you sent me are horrendous and terrible. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Uh, so the first one. Um, apparently, the current administration wants to overhaul the HHS office to shield health workers with moral objections. Mm. So. Uh, Basically, uh, the, tr- the Trump administration on Thursday will announce an overhaul of the HHS Civil Rights Office as part of a broader plan to protect health workers who don't want to perform abortions, treat transgender patients seeking to transition, or provide other services for which they have religious or moral objections. Yeah. So I, the fir- one of the first things that occurred to me while I was reading this um, was... It sounds like, oh, this will be great for people who are Christian or Muslim and they object to, you know, treating or providing services to people who do things they disagree with. I'm like, okay, sounds like a win for you guys, as ignorant as you are. Sounds like a win for you. But then my thing is, um, say, for example, you refuse to treat someone who is transgender for religious reasons, religious objections. Um, if that person then challenges you or sues you in court, how do you prove that you have these religious objections? Do they now put your religion under a microscope? Yeah, I. It just occurred to me as like, well, can the lawyer cross examine you and go, well, how often do you go to church? You know, when was the last time you spoke to your, your pastor? You know, uh, it, it, it both ways. It, it sounds horrible. <laughs> It's horrible in every way because you don't become a healthcare worker to decide you're not going to do stuff. Mm. Yeah. Well, wouldn't you also, could we go back in time and say that there were folks who had moral objections to treating those colored people that would come into, I got to go ahead and put on my draw, treating those colored people that would come into their hospital? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. And they could find biblical reasons behind that yep i I just find the whole thing ridiculous because if you're either a member of the healthcare team or you aren't if you can't do your job then you should be doing a different job Mm -hmm. i mean i literally had to treat a man who did not want anybody negro by him Mm. what isn't that that's a little bit different though because that's the patient saying i don't want you to treat me as yeah, opposed to you serving what, the public saying, I'm not going to treat you. you know? But what I could have done is gone back to the lab and totally screwed up his results oh, so that he yeah. would get the wrong treatment and he could die. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And believe me, I thought about it. That was a really embarrassing moment in my life. However, you know, when you're a healthcare professional, you have to be professional. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do it. And it's bothering your conscience so badly that someone wants to transition, then you should work somewhere else. Well, you know what? Maybe we're overreacting. Let me look at let me look a little bit further. It says um, 
Under a proposed rule, which has been closely guarded at HHS and is now under review by the White House, the Civil Rights Office would be empowered to further shield those wor these workers and punish organizations that don't allow them to express their religious and moral objections according to sources on and off the Hill. That would be a significant shift for the office, which currently focuses on enforcing federal civil rights and health care privacy laws. Yeah, it's worse. Yeah, it, it, it actually sounds worse. And mm -hmm. then uh, it said that. So let me see if I can find the, the paragraph. Basically, they're creating an entirely new office just to manage these objections, these conscientious objectors. As it will, they're going to establish the Conscience and Religious Freedom Division of HHS, Civil Ooh. Rights Office. Yeah. Better known as the go ahead and be a bigot. Right. Office. Yeah. Legalized right. discrimination. Here we mm -hmm. go. Right. Bigot freedom for everyone. Um, this new division would be a third and co-equal branch with the office's existing two divisions that focus on federal civil rights laws and health insurance portability and accountability act HIPAA. Third and co-equal. The bigot office. Yeah. I. Wow. Just. Um, yeah, I, I was kind of speechless. It was just like they really are institutionalizing now bigotry. Mm -hmm. This is where we are. Yeah. This is this is the moving backwards. This is the moving backwards and everything. And this is where history is so important. Mm -hmm. and we need to really know it and we need to learn it and we need a longer term memory than we've got because this is definitely sliding backwards replace transgender with uh black people yeah and this still uh impacts uh homosexuals substantially yep. or anybody else that somebody decides that their religion allows them to abuse yeah, fornicators. Jesus. I mean, yeah, it, it could be so, as simple as that. I'm not going to give you a, a birth control prescription now because you're you're out there fornicating. You're sexually yeah. active, and I, I don't. Agree I don't with that. see a husband's name on here. You can't have this. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, so this is ridiculous, and it, it flies in the face of the kinds of uh, pledges that you have to take when you become a member of the healthcare team. You know, everybody knows about the Hippocratic oath from from. MDs, but everybody has an oath. Nurses mm -hmm. have an oath. Physical therapists have an oath. We all have an oath. And basically what you what you swear to is that the patient's welfare goes above your own needs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, oh, you know this this basically says, no, it doesn't. Yeah. And I just found it. It's it's actually interesting. If you think about it, the only class of people that will not be touched by this whatsoever is straight white men. Yeah. There's never going to be a time where a nurse is like, I am not going to treat this straight white man because of my religious objections to him being straight and white. Never going to happen. Well, no. Isn't it interesting? But, well, and I guess what it comes down to is what, because uh, the next part of this is going to be somewhere, probably unrelated, but see, all the pieces end up linking back together, is uh, the recognition of religion. Because mm -hmm. theoretically, I could create a religion which is anti-straight white, uh, which is anti-cis, uh, het white male. That I mean, that's what I was thinking. That's what I brought up at the beginning. I'm like, well, in order for you to institutionalize this and essentially legalize it, you do have to add that second component where 
if I am not treating someone and that person dies or suffers some severe harm and his lawyer comes and says, hey, why didn't you treat this person? And I say, well, I objected because I am Christian. They're going to want to see some receipts. And I don't know how they're going to determine whether I'm religious enough to refuse to serve that person or to treat that person. Who determines that? There's no way to determine that. It's right. just a way to codify your bigotry. Right. And, and I, could, I, I just... couldn't. Go ahead. I, like, I couldn't see. Uh, I could easily see any questioning of a person's because at that point on the stand, you're questioning the person's faith. I yes. could see that immediately being an objection, and uh, uh, you know that line of questioning stopping. But uh, I feel like. I don't know. It might get to the appeals court. It might even get to the Supreme Court, which in you know which case then yeah. it wouldn't make any difference. But you, if you're going to put someone in severe physical harm, mm-hmm. or you're not going to you know provide them that a service that you offer to the public, I feel like that is the counterbalance. You do have to demonstrate that this is why you're doing it, and not just because you were lazy, didn't feel like it, or you're a bigot. Absolutely. Yeah, because it could be as as simple as I made a mistake or I looked at the wrong chart and now I could say, oh, well, you know, religious reasons. That's why it's like, no, I need to see some receipts now. You know, (laughs) are you actually religious or did you just not do your job? Yeah. And that it's going to be it's going to get ugly. Mm -hmm. It's really going to get ugly. I mean, I I remember when I was in, in my med tech program, we actually had a classmate who left because she didn't want to have to deal with that AIDS stuff. What does that mean? She didn't want to have to do any tests for anyone who might be HIV positive. That, so she'd rather treat bubonic plague. I don't understand. What is she saying? No, she just she she had a she had an opposition to working with anybody who might be HIV positive, and they did not make arrangements for her. They said, "You do what you do, or you're out of here." And she yeah. said, "Yeah, I'm leaving." Okay, good, good riddance. Whatever. Yeah, I, I just feel like you need to have your, you know, a, 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 t- a long talk with yourself if you're going to enter into the medical field. And if you have serious objections to that extent, either become a foot doctor or, you know, you cannot, you know, cannot be in that field where this may or may not come up. That's yeah. Yeah. Do something else. Exactly. Be a dentist. I don't know. But yeah, it, it was just uh, disgusting up and down. And it does. I mean, how do they co- how do they merge this with the ethics requirements that are? Don't you, you take you mentioned that you take an oath when you sign up to be a, a healthcare worker? Yeah, so I'm do, sure there are plenty of professions where you do that, but obviously, you know, if you're in in healthcare, this becomes a life and death kind of thing. But if they conflict, how do they decide what wins? If I take an oath to make sure that I provide the best care to my patients and then I have a conscientious religious objection, which one wins? I don't know. I mean, you know, I was brought up religious and there are probably some people that I don't want to have anything to do with, but you know, you do your job. If you can't do your job, you get another job. Mm -hmm. You don't get to, Oh, well I'll do it when I feel like it. So maybe the kid who has, lymphoma i'll treat but you guy who you're getting a liver transplant because you're drunk no i'm not going to do your test you can't do that yeah oh my god i didn't even think about that like if you're really if you're really really extreme christian 
or if you're Muslim, like true Muslim, and you're just like, oh, I don't believe in alcohol or alcoholism. I'm not treating people who, you know, have done this to their bodies because of alcohol. That could be something that comes up. Just well, you know, they're opening a huge can of worms. Well, but if this thing ever gets used by someone who's not a Christian, it's all over. Oh, yeah, that's good. I could easily see them saying, well, we had to fire you because part of your terms were to be able to go and work with these folks. And, you know, I don't care that you're Muslim. You still need to be able to do this. You're not going to do your job. Therefore, you need to leave. And as soon as they challenge it under under this type of thing, you know it's going to be uh, – it, it's it's not going to hold. There was something similar, I believe, back um, – I think it was uh, during the whole Hobby Lobby thing uh, mm-hmm. that the Church of Satan suddenly was like stepping up and saying, well, you know, does this mean that we can step into this? What was the what was the result of that? I'm curious. Oh, I uh, remember that. Yeah, uh, there were well, you know, our our uh, uh, our I guess tolerance for things, um, uh, for uh, keeping up with it, uh, go away. So it kind of dropped from the media. But you know, I fo- I happen to follow the Church of Satan on Twitter, um, mm-hmm. and uh, their whole thing is just basically well. If that's if if the job says that you're supposed to do this and you took this job, you have to do what the job said or go get a different job. Right. So if they were to have, you know, if you were to have, uh, uh, I guess, a hospital that would be uh, or if, since they were talking about Hobby Lobby, then their thing with what they were saying was so for the people that work, uh, quote unquote, work in the offices of the church, uh, they would want to make sure that they only had. Uh, healthcare plans that had birth control, and that it was one of those things where um, uh, basically trying to be in support of that, since mm. you had the Hobby Lobby folks saying, uh, you know, well, we we morally object to where I guess you know again the corporation could morally object to it, but yeah, first of all, I mean taking a step back and this is a bigger problem which is why it's never addressed that way but i don't really don't think we should be getting health care from our work our employers anyway mm-hmm. that this just that conflict to me just kind of solidified that that's just not their place it's it's a benefit that they added so that they didn't have to increase salaries too much they figured it was something that they could provide instead of just more money but yep. ultimately it's we've just decided that now employers are where you get your health care it doesn't make any sense but that's a conversation for another day, I guess. Yes, that's a totally different conversation. And I just want to make sure that I don't let you guys go past the engineer is following the Church of Satan. <laughs> wow. She blindsided you. Know, you. Hey, I, am, I just I am... wanted to make sure that no one missed that because I heard that. See, here's the here's the thing that I and, I, and you know, I'm. I'm not here to uh, 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 to evangelize or anything like that because I am not one trying to get people to believe in beliefs that they might not uh, uh, they might not hold. I'm not here to cause any kind of inquisition or um, any kind of like witch trials or mm. anything like that. Mm. I'm not here for any kind of uh, uh, crusade. Uh, or anything along those lines. All I'm saying is that, uh, you know, you look at some of the tenets of the Church of Satan and and they make some good points. Mm. Okay, can we move on to the next story, please? Wow, okay, all right. (laughs) 
no, no, no follow up to that. None at all. Yeah, I, I, I guess if you look over the the long arc of history, no church looks really good. <laughs> every, yes, <laughs> every church looks really bad over the long arc of history. But uh, yeah, let's move into uh, more horribleness and, and depravity. Um, again, we haven't done this. We haven't done this in a while, but that's not how any of this works. That's yeah. This is an old segment that we had in one of our first couple of shows. Uh, that's not how any of this works because people were confused about how things in real life work. They thought it worked like TV or cartoons. Um, so we had a segment where we would just uh, bring to light some misinformation or misconceptions that people had. Um, for this woman who changed her race using melanin eject- injections, that's right. She changed her race using melanin injections and believes that she can now conceive black children with her white husband. <laughs> I'm not, I feel like it's all in the headline. This is a really good headline, actually. It's all there. It's all in the headline. She, quote unquote, changed her race with melanin injections. I mean, she shot herself up with dye. And now she believes that she will conceive black children with her white husband. Mm. Uh-huh. Well, and let me just say that oh, it looks terrible. She mm, wow. And then she, I think she has a wig as well to try to you know, fill out the the whole look, but it um her name's Martina Big if you want to google her and, and get an eyeful of that. Oh uh, no. Martina don't. We don't. It, I mean, if, you, if you're just really curious, but otherwise you don't need this in your life. But uh, Martina Big and her husband, Michael, uh, were on a talk show, a morning talk show, and they were talking about her melanin injections that she took two years ago to transform from a white woman to a black woman. And she said her skin is getting darker and her hair, her growing hair is changing and getting curly and more dark. Okay. So is that first of all, maybe maybe I am have a misconception. I was under the impression that your hair follicles were not privy to your the melanin in your skin per se. That's two different wholly different functions. Well, there's certainly melanin in dark hair, so her hair might be getting darker. Ah, because of the melanin injections. However the kinkiness also with with that you know. Oh. No. Oh, okay. No. So when they inject you with melanin, you don't just all, all of a sudden get uh, kinky afro hair? That, is, that, isn't, that doesn't no. work? No. I mean, she's not the first person to, to do this. I mean, there there's there are pretty prominent books in the 1950s and 60s where people did this and then decided to go out and live as Negroes. Wow. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, there, was, there were two books, Black Like Me. First it was oh, a man, Lord, and then it was yes. Oh, that was melanin injections? Like, I well, thought it was just so- like face pain or something no no they 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 took some sort of pills i think but anyway um that does not change your dna right that's like if i dye my hair blonde and then have a baby the baby's not going to be blonde it won't hush your mouth are you sure I I, i don't even i feel like science says you have to try it first yes i agree but here's the part <laughs> I just love. She wants her baby to be milk chocolate. 
I, what is wrong with this bra? Is she going to eat the eat the child? I don't understand. What? Milk chocolate baby. She can. She's trying to make a, a Barack Obama. Is that it? I don't know what she's trying to do, but nobody wants to be a Negro, but everybody wants to be a Negro. I don't. Mm-hmm. What is with these women who have decided that they're just going to become black? I, I'm done. I don't know. I, I think it's just because it's in vogue. It's just considered cool. She has something now to talk with, talk about with her sewing circle. And uh, I guess she just it's just like putting on a, a special set of makeup. See, I think there's a deeper game that's going here. I think that uh, maybe her husband isn't too uh, bright. Mm-hmm. And this might be more for his benefit than anything else, just because, you know, if something were to, if she were to be engaged in activities that maybe, uh, you know, she's got to go out and work with like the personal trainer or something. And if she were to come home and have a baby that were a little bit dark, well, you know, hey, it's because of I'm doing all of this. And wow. Hey, it took, it's taking. That's the long game. That's the that long game. Why are you so devious that this occurred to you? I'm, because... I mean, it, it would protect herself if her husband is yes. a fucking idiot. He would not be aware. He's like, wow, I'm having black children with my black wife. Like, okay, all right. Totally unaware if, that she's just, you know, gallivanting he, with the, the elderly basketball team at the at the, at the Y. The, the, hey, if, if he is, if he is uh, in love enough to believe this kind of and stay with this kind of crazy... You know, I'm just saying, because this is if she she, if she believes this, if she absolutely positively believes this, you know, doesn't mean that he has to feed into her delusion. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think it's interesting that, you know, she's able to go through and actually get stuff done that people aren't like, you know, money is money and whiteness are the most powerful things in the universe you combine both and you i think that's that's the new infinity gauntlet money and whiteness you only have money two just two crystals you, got it. you can do it all you can turn time back you can get you know yeah and, and just you can eliminate black women altogether you can just become us we don't yep. nobody needs us anymore uh, and, first of all she looks like augur from the dark crystal yes she does but <laughs> second of all to add insult to injury She's got the African print dress, and her husband has the audacity to put on a fucking dashiki. Yes. In this picture. But yeah, just Google it for all you youngins out there. Google the Dark Crystal and Agra, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, she does. It did not take well. So she should stop. But yeah, just another Rachel Dolezal, except she's on the more. Um, she was under mistaken impression that it translated to her DNA. Well, Rachel Dolezal did at least have some black children. Well, yeah, she got them from an actual black couple. Black, yeah, black <laughs> Yes. I think this woman will have black children, too. Oh, oh she'll just adopt them and say, look what I got. <laughs> look, I had black no, children. No, he gave us the whole layout of how this is going to happen. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they have the actual quote from the the interview. 
And uh, the interviewer was just trying to understand. They're like, I'm trying to think genetically how this is possible. If you give birth to a white child, will you somehow think it's not connected to you? And she said, no, it's it'll be a mix of Michael and me. I'm pretty sure it will be black or milk chocolate or a little bit light. It doesn't matter. Milk chocolate. Yeah. And then Twitter lit her ass up, of course. <laughs> every, every one of every shade and color was just like, that's not how any of that works. And then it's like, why are you referring to your child in, in terms of food? But yeah. yeah Maybe she can have... Is. Maybe she can have a neighbor who will have a peanut butter baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they can have a Reese's baby. And call him Reese. Yes. I'm done with both of you. Stop it. The most delicious grandchildrens ever. This Stop is the, this is the long game, Koki. Two generations later, we'll have a peanut butter sure. baby named Reese. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it took us two generations, but the joke is now complete. <laughs> Okay, I'm done with this show. I'm just saying. Just saying. But yeah, so um, that brings us to our, our, our final segment. Yeah, we, we had to go there. But um, we've been saying all last year, all of 2018, and it looks like it has continued into 2019, that uh, the animal kingdom is sick of our shit. They're not going to take it anymore. And they're not here for your petting zoos and for your 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 safaris. They don't care about your education. They they they're here to bust heads and take names. Yep. Catch catch these hands, twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen now. So this was actually um, in what zoo is this? This is Suncoast. Trying to understand where that is. Is that in California? Orlando. Oh, it's in Orlando. Okay. So yeah, essentially they there were two attacks at the zoo within 48 hours, and now there are extensive concerns about um, wildlife centers in general. So in the last in less than 48 hours, there were two animal attacks at wildlife centers. On Monday, a 22-year-old intern was attacked and killed by a lion that escaped a locked enclosure in a North Carolina zoo. And on Tuesday, a two-year-old girl fell into a rhino enclosure in an Orlando area zoo getting severely injured. So within 48 hours, two people nearly dead, less than, you know, 100 miles or so from each other. Our safety record is impeccable. We've never had any kind of incident. We're very careful. We're professional animal people, said Kay Rosaire, the founder and president of the Big Cat Habitat. Habitat. So I'm... I'm I'm curious. I'm wondering what you guys think about just zoos in general. I know when when I was a kid, it was never even a second thought of course you're going to have zoos in a big city that's just that's where you go to see animals but in 2018 2019 do you think they've kind of outlived their usefulness to society now that we have you know cameras hd cameras and uh virtual reality tech what do you think about zoos in general do we still need these i think we still need them Mm. and i'll explain why so conservation efforts education all take place in zoos now i don't think you should take some animal from the wild and stick them in a zoo but a lot of the animals that are in zoos are they were orphaned or you know something happened to them and Mm -hmm. this is why they wound up in a zoo okay and i'm okay with that the idea that you can just watch something online and have the same results and the same interaction as if you're in the presence of the animal is ridiculous to me Mm. Um, I don't think we should be getting any more zoos, 
but I think we need to keep the ones we have. So you think it's more so because we're not pulling the animals from the wild and they also, the zoo itself is an institution that serves a conservatory purpose. That's why we should keep it, it around. It does. And it also, you know, you, if you're going to do research on animals, you've got to have the real animals, right? Mm-hmm. Watching them in the wild does not help you when you're, when some sort of infection sweeps through the wild. Like you have to have some animals where you understand their behavior, you understand their, their physiology and zoos, conservation areas are, are great places for that to take place. Mm. I mean, as, as quickly as we are ruining this planet, if we let go of them, we're worse off mm. because now we have no way of figuring out what's going on. But maybe then what do you, zoos as a playground maybe needs to change? Maybe they shouldn't be serving ice cream and cotton candy next to the tiger enclosure. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe our approach needs to be a little bit different. I think that our approach needs to be a lot more respectful. I think that we don't teach. Uh, we we teach some about the power, but we don't teach about the respect that we should have for uh, for these animals. And you know, I'm not I'm, I'm not talking like PETA level. Uh, but at least understanding that uh, a lot of why those animals are in uh, zoos due to being orphans, stuff like that, are because of human actions. And we have a lot of responsibility for a lot of wrong that we have done on this planet. And so I look at that as part of, um, you know, part of how we conserve our environment, part of how we save our planet is also looking after uh, uh, the animals and trying to get people to understand, you know, you don't have to have that photo op with the bear. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, the, I, because what happens is you, it extends to people uh, when they're out in the wild. And yeah. that's when it breaks down. Because I think in Absolutely. the zoo, yeah, in the zoo, the mentality is these animals are here for my pleasure. It's yes. that, that conservatory message is usually lost upon people who are taking their kids there on a Saturday, you know, buying well, them ice know. cream. I don't know. I think it depends on the zoo. Mm. Like, I think some zoos do it very well. Mm. The Columbus Zoo is one that is, is great about the conservation methods. I even think the, the, the D.C. Zoo does very well. I was there not too long ago, maybe six months ago. Okay. And... Um, you know, it's changed since the last time I was there, and there is much more focus on what's going on in the wild, and there are only so many of these, and this is what you should do. And oh, okay. you know, it's it's not. It, I don't think it's the same as you know when you took your kids to Ringling Brothers. Yeah, because I mean, I haven't been to the zoo in a while. I'll confess, but uh, when I was the last time I was there as a kid, I think I was like ten or twelve or something like that. And definitely it was more, it really felt like a, an amusement park, except that you just look at animals. There wasn't a whole lot of education happening in there. It's just like, look at the snake. It's in this little glass cage. Isn't that cool? And next animal. <laughs> and the, the idea, the thought was just, you know, this is just a day trip and these animals are here for our pleasure. Which is why I think people get keep getting caught up when they're trying to take selfies with them, like you said, like in natural national parks and things like that. Because they think it's just like the zoo. Or you have people that want to go ahead and have their exotic pets. I mean, that's Oof. the thing that kills me. Yeah. You talk about a bad decision. Uh, you know, I saw this, and, and I remember, I remember being a child and being in uh, going to the zoo, and I fell in love with a cheetah, and I wanted to take the cheetah home, and 
you know, of course, now I realize how absolutely that is not a viable thing. But you do have people out there who are saying, well, if I get a cheetah cub, I could raise it and then it will be okay with being in my human home. Yeah, that's cartoons. No. That's too much cartoons. Don't don't watch yeah. cartoons. That's not how you get science. Don't do that. Yes, exactly. But yeah, so now there people are having kind of a uh, some self reflection in terms of you know what role zoos play in society because people are dying and some of them aren't protect aren't they're not as safety minded as other places. So it sounds like in some of these zoos, you know, there needs to be some. Um, some revisiting of some of the the security protocols and making sure that animals are actually locked up, not just appear to be locked up. But yeah, interesting. Okay. Well, that was actually a really good conversation. I want to thank Marvin for for joining us. Really lent a lot to the conversation about um, you know engineering in terms of you know prosthetics and assisted living and. Uh, education in general. Thank- well, thank you very much for having me. I uh, uh, I enjoy the show, so it was great to be able to come on and uh, talk with y'all and share a little bit and hopefully uh, put some of the engineers' view out there because you know I hear slander, mm. and uh, that's just uh, uh, the legal team. You know, doesn't uh, doesn't appreciate that. And so I said, hey, before we do anything, you know, Koki Koki's a friend. Let me let me see if I can talk mm. with her. Let me see if I can reason with her. Yeah, come at me, bro. I was told by AppleCare that there were no mad scientists, only mad engineers. So, oh, you know, I'll, okay, so, hey, the Joker has a flower, right? Mm-hmm. And that flower has some sort of agent in it that the flower, well, he can spray from the flower on to people, and it... Yeah, I believe it has the Smilex gas, or it can have acid, or whatever. Right. Well, who created that uh, that Smilex? Is it is it uh, was that an engineer? I don't think that is indeed how that uh, happened. And how does the delivery happen? Because the engineer did. Because the scientists asked for that system, right? No, uh, no, no, no. That's not what happened. I mean, now, he I could have, just put it in a glass and throw it at you. I mean, the the gas is true. the gas. That's true. That's you know. Hey, I I could uh, it it could be that, but all I'm saying is that the scientist said, you know, I want to, I need somebody to build something for me. Yeah, that's not usually how it happens. Usually, what happens is the engineer goes, "Hey, did you see this new thing? Let's see if we can make some sort of delivery service for this." I have no idea what you're talking about, ma'am. Mm. Okay. Okay. Uh, I feel like I feel like this need there needs to be a part two to this because there's a lot of unresolved emotions here. I feel like I'm the therapist in the middle. <laughs> Just trying to get you guys to resolve your differences. You know, but I feel like we've made a breakthrough. I feel like we've made a breakthrough today. We we've we've had done a lot of good work here. I feel good. You know, to recap science is indeed the overarching uh, 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 how did you put it P-Funk uh, science is the uh, science is the, the the wizarding and you guys are the cauldron and wand makers <laughs> yes that exactly <laughs> that is it no I'm just I'm saying I mean you can't mix your potion in a, in a, a, a shot glass you need a cauldron a proper cauldron that can yeah. hold you know various you know 
pH balanced, you know, materials and liquids and, and things of that nature. But see, so. that's exactly what the scientist does. And once we get it mm-hmm. all figured out, the engineer comes in and goes, I can make this better. Well, yeah, don't you want a better you know, cauldron? We have Skynet. That's oh. the next thing that happens. Wow. Cauldron to Skynet. That That's impressive. No, I will say that I am uh, I am against the the walking uh, robots that you will see. Those are the most terrifying things in the world. And as an engineer, I completely and totally uh, I rebuke those. I rebuke my fellow engineers who are creating those things because I I do not want that uh, that that robot apocalypse because the robot apocalypse will be followed by or the the robots will bring about the zombie apocalypse using the tools that our uh, uh, microbiologists create in the lab uh, but then they go into mop up with the robot apocalypse after that and I'm not here for any of that I want us all to live I'm, I'm here about life I want us all to live I'm not I'm not saying I want the robot apocalypse but I would like to see a Gundam before I die you know just, now, mech suits saying. I'm here for. Yeah. That, okay. That Okay. We're on the same page then. That's what I want. Yes. I want mech suits. There yep. you go. All right. No robots, pro-mech suits. That's that's my yes. political party. Yes. But yes, uh, but if people want to reach out to you or ask you questions, uh, how can they get in touch with you, Marvin? Uh, Twitter is always great. I am M. Williams AT, as in M. Williams Assistive Technology. Uh, so you can always hit me up there, and uh, that's the absolute best place to get me. All right. And Koki, want to remind the people where to find you? You can find me at Koki Talks Trash. Um, that's where I'm usually angrily posting. Mm-hmm. Um, for most of the science-related stuff, I'm at Koki Negra. And you can find me uh, at P Funkin' Around on Twitter. And for the show itself, you can find us uh, at capital U, K-N-O-W, Molecules. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us, uh, Marvin. And I'm looking forward to uh, having you back on the show. I'd love to be back. Right. Well, I figured that's a good uh, education. Uh,